0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of December 2009, entitled, The Christ of Prophecy. And the Bible readings are taken from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Amen. If you'd like to open your Bible this morning to Isaiah chapter 7, Then also, if you'd like to put your finger at Isaiah chapter uh, 9, we'll be reading verses uh, 6 and 7 from there, and then uh, over in uh, Micah uh, chapter 5, we'll be looking at uh, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning with Isaiah chapter 7. And verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Then over just a page or so in your Bibles there to Isaiah chapter 9 and in verse 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Then in Micah chapter 5 and in verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Aphrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth hath been from of old, from everlasting. Our Father and our God, we thank you again for this time that we have together this morning. We pray that you would bless our time together. Father, that you would uh, anoint and uh, that your Holy Spirit would take and use thy unworthy servant to uh, speak, Lord, through, uh, through your name and through thy power. Lord, you know the needs of the hearts of each individual here today. We do pray, Lord, that you would meet those needs as only you can for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. A simple thought for just a few moments this morning. I guess that we read these scriptures often in the the Old Testament, the prophetic verses, looking forward still to uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, written hundreds of years uh, before that he ever came to this earth. And of course, as we... Look here, just just a thought this morning as we again are uh, reminded this uh, this Christmas season uh, of the goodness of God and just what it was that, that took place and the wonder of what God was doing for us and the fact that you know that He loved us so much that it wasn't just a perchance uh, event that took place, but it was something that God had planned from eternity past for you and for I. First of all, we find here in Isaiah chapter 7 and in verse 14, the Word of God said, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. If anybody has a mobile phone on, please, please help us by... Switching it off for us because that uh, that brings the interference. It gets these uh, these waves between this wireless recording equipment not going what way to go and and things getting in between it. That would be a great help to us this morning. So we find that uh, uh, the first of all here, as we look here, therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. And notice that the the next word in the next word in the Old Testament there is behold. In other words, it's really to get your attention. Attention. Uh, you're going to look at something that is very important. The anticipation that the prophet Isaiah has as, as these words are being, being, uh, inspired through the Holy Spirit to pin down here. And of course, they're looking with anticipation towards something that is yet to come. And you know, you wonder, you know, so many times when these prophets were writing these words down, you know, what a wonder it must have been to their own mind because sometimes they were writing about things that that in one sense it didn't make any sense whatsoever to them. In the natural, in the physical, I mean the anticipation of a virgin bringing forth a son. And of course we find that the interesting thing is, is that God is writing through this prophet to proclaim a truth of something that is going to have it And yet he's giving it to them in what's known as a a prophetic perfect tense, which means that he's writing it as if it's already accomplished, it's already done. He's telling them about something that's going to happen hundreds of years ahead, and yet he can write it as God, as if it were already accomplished, because with God it was as good as already done, already finished. See, even though he's writing about the future, it's a completed act in the future. Behold, he says, now remember, this is the Lord himself that's going to give them this sign. It's going to be a birth like no other birth that they've ever seen or heard of before. Behold, a virgin shall conceive a virgin. And literally there, if you want the, the, the a could be put in the, the virgin. There was only going to be one birth like this A virgin was was pointing to one specific, definite virgin that was to come, a definite woman that was in view, a virgin. Now, the most common word that was used for virgin in the Hebrew was a word called Bethulah. But occasionally, the word Bethulah could refer to a married woman. And so God didn't use that word here because even though that it was often used to designate a virgin, it could designate somebody that was already married. But in this case, he used the word Alma. Now, yes, sometimes, and in some of the new translations, in fairness, it could be translated young woman. But it was a word that always signified virginity. You see, the truth was that in the Hebrew, it was unheard of for a young woman not to be a virgin. And the young woman that was spoken of by the term Alma was a virgin always. And so God didn't even use the most common word that would speak of a virgin that could possibly mean something else. But he used a word that would always in every situation so that there was absolutely no question. As to what he was talking about here, we find that even prominent Jewish scholars say that Alma would always be translated into Greek to the word parthenos, which always, always, in every instance speaks of a virgin. And so I want you to know that even though that sometimes sometimes those words are backed away because intelligent people would say that It could be translated this way. Yes, but the way that that would be translated could not ever, ever, ever be conceived in our terminology, in our words today. The word that was translated here specifically always spoke of one that was still a virgin. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, it's interesting, though, because the words shall conceive is literally still, as all of this statement is being written, in the fact that it's already accomplished. She is pregnant. She is conceiving. The whole context here shows that the virgin is actually pregnant with child and yet still a virgin. No question whatsoever. He says that God is going to give you a sign. This one that is going to be born. He's going to be born of a virgin. Of a woman that's never had a marital relationship. And she is going to conceive. But even in that state, she is still a virgin. A woman that has never been touched by man before. We find that... He goes on and he says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Immanuel. Emmanuel." You know, many times we have to go back and trace back and check back and try to understand what some of the words mean because the words that are not common to us anymore, but God himself goes to the trouble to Translate this one for us right in his own word, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Can you imagine the prophet Isaiah as he sat there pinning these words under inspiration? Behold, this is pretty important stuff. The Lord himself is going to give you a sign. This one is going to be born like no other ever, ever. A virgin a woman that has never been touched in the flesh. She is going to conceive a child, and yet she is still going to be a virgin. And she's going to bear this son, and his name is God with us. God coming to this earth to be with you and I. Matthew chapter 1. And verse 23 quotes this passage right here as being fulfilled, that which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. That's what you're seeing happen. There's absolutely no question in God's Word that exactly what Isaiah was saying here 700 years before is precisely what was taking place in Matthew when Jesus Christ was being born. Notice just over in the Scriptures in chapter 9. Notice when he goes on to us in verse 6, we just sang these words to music, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. A child is born as just in a birth that has brought each and every one of you into this world, Every human being, a child, is born. But if that child that's being born is a son that is being given. Because we've already seen that he's being born in a birth that is like no other. In other words, we have coming in human birth a divine gift from God himself, from heaven himself. He's being born here as a human being but he's being given as the very Son of God himself as a gift to you and I. I'd like to read an illustration to you that I know that I read to you either last year or the year before, but I thought it was so fitting here as I was reading these scriptures. And I know there's some of you that haven't heard it. And those that have, hopefully it'll be a blessing to you again as it was to me. There was once a man who didn't believe in the incarnation or the spiritual meaning of Christmas. Matter of fact, he was completely skeptical about God in the first place. He and his family lived in a farming community. His wife was a devout believer and she diligently raised her children in that faith that she held so dear. He sometimes gave her a hard time about her faith, and even sometimes mocked her religious observances of Christmas and such. One snowy Christmas Eve, she was taking the kids to the Christmas Eve service at church. She pleaded with her husband to come, but he firmly refused. He ridiculed the whole idea of the incarnation of Christ and He dismissed it as just a bunch of nonsense. Why would God lower himself and become a human like us? It's such a ridiculous story, he said. So she and the children left for church, and he stayed behind at home. After they left, the winds grew stronger, and the the snow turned into a a full-blown blizzard. As he looked out the window, All he could see was this blinding snowstorm. He sat down to relax by the fire for the evening. Then all of a sudden he heard a loud thump. Something hit against the window. And then another thump. He looked outside, but he he couldn't see anything, so he ventured outside himself. In the field near his house, he... He saw, of all the strangest things, a flock of geese. They were apparently flying to look for a warmer area down south, but had got caught in this snowstorm. The snow had become too blinding and too violent for the geese to fly or to see their way. They were lost, and they were stranded here on his farm. No food, no shelter, They just fluttered their wings and flew around in circles around the field blindly and aimlessly. He couldn't help but feel compassion for them and wanted in some way to help them. And He thought to himself that the barn would be a great place for them to stay. It's warm and it's safe. Surely they could spend the night there and wait out the storm until it's finished. So he walked over to the barn and he opened the barn doors for them, and he waited, watching, hoping they would notice the open barn and go inside. But they just continued to flutter around aimlessly. They didn't notice the barn or realize what it could possibly even mean for them. He moved closer toward them to get their attention, but they just moved away from him out of fear. He went into the house, and he came back out with some bread. He broke it and he made a bread trail leading to the barn, but they still didn't catch on. Starting to get frustrated. He went over and tried to to shoe them, to run after them, to chase them into the barn. They just got more scared and they began to, to scatter into every direction except toward the barn. Nothing he did seemed to get them to go the right direction, to go into the barn where there was warmth and safety and shelter. Feeling totally frustrated, he exclaimed, why don't they follow me? Can't they see this is the only place where they can survive the storm? How can I possibly get them into the one place that will save them? He thought for a moment and he realized that They just won't follow a human. He said to himself, how can I possibly save them? The only way would be for me to become like the geese. If only I could become like one of them, then I could save them. They would follow me and I would lead them to safety. He stood silently for a moment as the words he just said reverberated back to him in his own mind. If only... I could become like one of them. Then I could save them. He thought about his words. He remembered what he said to his wife. Why would God want to be like us? That's so ridiculous. Something clicked in his mind as he put these two thoughts together. It was like a revelation, and he began to understand what the incarnation really was all about. We were like the geese, blind, gone astray, perishing. God became like us so that he could show us the way and make a way available to save us. That's the meaning of Christmas, he realized in his heart. As the winds and the blinding snow abated, his heart became quiet and pondered this thought, he understood what Christmas was all about. He knew why Christ had come. Suddenly years of doubt and disbelief were shattered as he humbly and tearfully bowed down in the snow and embraced the true meaning of Christmas. Now, of course, we know that it took more than just Christ coming to save us. But the truth of that it's so true, it's so telling, that yes, He had to become like one of us, not for anything of His own benefit, but so that we could follow Him. And yes, He went to the cross and He died for us and He shed the blood and He paid the price. We've looked at those things last week. But the truth is that He had to become a human being in order to do that. And He came as a human in a way that was a sign that no one else had ever done and no one else would or could ever do. The Bible goes on to to give us, you know, about this, this child that was born, this son that was given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We find that we're given this fourfold name here, Wonderful Counselor. In the Hebrew, it was all one title, what's given to us in, in two words here. And, of course, a wonder. It literally, you know, is indicative of that which is miraculously accomplished by God Himself. <laughs> literally, a wonder Of a counselor. A wonderful counselor, he says. The word counselor here is parallel to the word word king. Like God Himself. God like counsel in a God like king. The wonder, the macros, wonderful counselor. When Jesus Christ came, He was going to be God Himself giving to us His wisdom, His counsel, like nothing else could ever give us the mighty God. The mighty God. It's interesting as you begin to to look at this, this, this name, to tell us about this one that's coming, the mighty God. It's one of the strongest of titles that can possibly refer to deity. El always carries with it the idea of deity, the El Gibor. Gibor, the word that's translated here was what we would call a hero. (laughs) He's above everything else, the mighty God. You know, the kids get all hung up on their superheroes, and they can do anything. And they've got all this strength and all this power. But folks, this is the mighty God. The one that has, holds the power of all the universe in his hands. The one that put it there. The one that keeps it there. The mighty God. And of course, again, it's it's a simple but a very pertinent passage for those that deny the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it cannot mean anything else here. The Lord himself said that this one that was coming, this one that was being born of a virgin, this one that was being born like no other before him, it would come and bring the wonder, the counsel of God Almighty to man himself, that he is the mighty God, the mighty God, not just a mighty God. But just as the virgin was a definite one, he is a definite one. The God above all gods that man might have. The everlasting Father. That's hard to understand. The Father of all eternity. And of course, we live in a society when so many, as a matter of fact, more than not, of those youngsters around you, many times, They may not even know their father. Or their father may have had been a father, is no longer there. It's hard for us to get the concept of a father to just last a lifetime in our society. And yet, here he's speaking of the father of all eternity, the author of eternal life, the everlasting father the one that has always been but will always, always, always be there for you as your Father will never, ever, ever forsake you for anything else or anyone else, the Prince of Peace. And, of course, that was what last Sunday morning and Sunday evening we looked at, this idea of peace, peace on earth. And what it was that Jesus Christ brought to us, the Prince, this one that's coming, he's going to be the Prince of Peace. And of course in this we, we see, we see the forecasted birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see this fourfold name, but we also see here, folks, we see the future promise. Not just of his birth that we know that was already fulfilled, but also a future promise. We have this future promise as we talked last week of the peace that you and I can have in our hearts right now, but also of a future peace, (laughs) a peace on this earth, a kingdom that will be His. Notice that He says in chapter 9 and verse 7, of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It is a sure fact, it is a sure act that will take place. The Lord Jesus Christ, yes, the Lord would give us a sign. This one that was coming would come like no other ever before. He was going to be born of a virgin. He was going to be born of a virgin. He was going to come in human flesh, but he was a gift from God above. He would be called Wonderful Counselor. He would bring to you and I the very wisdom and counsel of of God himself, like no one else in all of the world could possibly do. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And he's coming. And he will establish his kingdom. And his kingdom will have no end. You see, the truth is, if you want to be a part of the physical kingdom that will be set up when he returns to this earth again. You must be a part of his spiritual kingdom right now. It'll be too late then to say, oh, I want to join up and I want to be a part of that. If there's any doubt, if there's not that certainty of knowing, it's easy. It's easy to speak words and say, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I don't do the things I used to do. I don't live like those other people out there. Folks, none of that's got anything to do with being part of his kingdom. Nothing. He can do all those things. But I'm telling you today, there hasn't come the time of recognizing your sin for what it is. Do you realize how sick, how putrid that sin is to God? Turning away from that sin, leaving it behind, and following Jesus Christ with your life. Many people want to follow Him with the words, but they're still hanging on to the world. Folks, you're not on the right path. You're on that broad path that seems like it's leading the right way, but the Bible says it'll eventually bring you to destruction. You can't half-heartedly follow the Lord. You either follow Him or you don't follow Him. You want to follow the world. The world thinks it's all right. The Lord says to His kingdom, there is no end. Are you part of that kingdom today? You see, the truth is, is that I could want it for each and every one of you, but that won't do any good. Matter of fact, you can want it for yourself, and it won't do any good. It's an act of you yourself. God can send there, and He can offer you that present all day long. You know, it's just like the illustration that we looked at earlier. Safety can be right there. It can be right before you. But unless you're willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never, ever, ever find that safety. You'll never, ever, ever know that it's there. In Micah chapter 5 and in verse 2, in closing this morning, he says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, just a small place, little shepherd town, little farming community that of no special significance, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Folks, again, we looked there last week. We won't dwell there this morning. He's always been, and he always will be. The thing is, what about in your life today? Does he truly reside there? Are you still living for your own flesh? Are you still living for the enjoyment of your flesh? Or are you willing to live for his joy? You see, the Bible says you're better off not to claim it at all than to claim it with your words and be living something different with your actions. He says that really makes him sick because the thing is you're not only a danger to yourself, you're a danger to those around you. Is that the Christ-likeness they should be seeing in your life? Father, we thank you today as we have come through celebrating yet another Christmas Lord, as we look at these Old Testament passages, just to be reminded of that which was fulfilled when Jesus Christ came forth. Remind ourselves, God, it was you that planned it. And Lord, it was something that took place exactly the way that you planned it. It was fulfilled with precision. And even here today, as we look back and reminded of who Jesus Christ is, Lord, may he have the rightful place in each of our hearts today, and I can only pray that if there be anyone here today, regardless of what they've said or what they've done, if the surety of Christ being present in their life is not there, Lord, may you speak to their hearts today. Let them know. Help them not to be deceived by religion. Help them to know the reality of the one that came, the gift that was given for their security for all of eternity for it's in christ's name we pray amen